It's Tuesday. You know what that means. It's time for the best and brightest moment of your week. It's time for that show you love and that show that you seek. It's time for nonsense. 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 The show. The best damn show you Ladies and gentlemen, it's Tuesday night, you know what that means. Especially when it's March the 16th, it's 316 day. And this message straight off the presses from the Broken Skull Ranch, out there in the wilds of Nevada. This show is dedicated to you, Stone Cold Steve Austin. Hope y'all are ready for a ride, I know I sure am. Stone Cold, how do you feel about it? All right, all right, all right. Thanks so much for that. Stone Cold Steve Austin. Before I put my music-making device away, I'd better prepare myself for what is to come. I don't know what songs we're going to be using tonight. I know we're going to be using some because the preparation for this show has been, to be totally honest with you, a complete and total mess. Um, and there's really no reason for it. I've just, <laughs> I've just been distractible today. I'm a little agitated. I'm a little energetic. I don't really know what to do with it all. I can't get settled. I can't get calm. So I poured a little rum. I chilled out. I listened to some music. And uh, now I'm getting ready to record an entertaining podcast, radio noise episode of Nonsense the Show for you, my loyal listeners. Listeners? Listeners. The people who hear the show on a weekly basis. I appreciate you all very much. Uh, We have a very steady listenership. It's not growing, but it's not falling. And you know what? That means those of you that are listening are enjoying it. And that's really all I can ask is to make sure that you guys enjoy what I'm doing. And if you do enjoy it, just let me know. And if you let me know, then I can um, know what you like doing, and I can keep doing it, and I can know what you're not doing, what you don't like. (laughs) All righty. Okay. Well, ladies and gentlemen, as always, I need to introduce to the show uh, my roommates, uh, my friends, uh, my incorporal uh, cohabitants. These are the ghosts, the spirits of the Broadway Manor. Uh, They're a friendly group, and they have decided to inhabit uh, the old computer I use in my studio. Um, And they speak through the soundboard that I have put on there with uh, different quotes from movies and celebrities and whatever kind of shit I find. Don't bullshit me. I'm not bullshitting anybody. I'm telling the truth about this. Why would you even fucking say that? Listen, I just know that um, it's best for me to be honest with my listeners. And the more honest I am, the more connected they feel to me, and the more that we get to know each other, and then we got a relationship, and the more we got a relationship, the more they support the show. The more they support the show, the more likely it is they'll tell their friends, and if they tell their friends, then uh, more people will listen, and then the community gets bigger, and then I get more popular, and that makes me feel good about myself. Where'd you learn that, Cheech? Drug school. But that doesn't have anything to do with drug school. Where did you even fucking get that? Gee, let me think. Come on. No, 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 no. Come on. That's not, we're not doing that right now. 
We're not going to go off the rails this early. We're only four minutes in. Let's just relax and let's get to. Let's just let me let me warm up and get into this, okay? Tell you what, dipshit. You don't like my policies. You can just come on down here and smooch my big old white butt. First of all, you're a ghost. You don't have a butt. I mean, if even if I were to think of the computer as your body, I'm not kissing a computer. And a p- computer doesn't have a butt. So th- this is ridiculous. I can't even believe we're fucking talking about it. Um, just relax. I'm going to do some work, and you fucking leave me alone, okay? Oh, my God. You're incredible. You sarcastic son of a bitch. You're obviously confused and aroused. I'm not. No, I'm just trying to. Okay. Okay. I'm going to ignore it. I'm going to ignore it. That's the best way to deal with a bully, right? Just ignore him. Just. (laughs) All right. It's already getting weird. So here's the deal. It's the March the 16th. As I record this right now, it's 820 in the PM. I've been procrastinating recording this show. I've got rum. I had music. I got the dude. And most importantly for tonight's show, sitting in front of me. There is a man who is widely considered by everybody who is qualified uh, to answer the question to be one of the greatest professional wrestlers in the history of all time. And I know some of you are going to say, oh, professional wrestling, you know it's fake, right? Well, duh, idiot. It's a fucking show. It's a show about people fighting and they're doing stunts and they're doing it live and it's all fucking improv and one take. And I just love it. I'm a big fan. I've been a fan for almost 30 years now. And I will continue to be a fan for as long as it's one of the best entertainment mediums on television. So there, I've defended my craft. (laughs) So Stone Cold Steve Austin uh, came to power, came to prominence uh, in the mid to late 90s. Um, He was was working on a gimmick. Hang on, we're not going to get into the whole Stone Cold segment yet. What the fuck's the matter with me? What? It's almost like I've been fucking drinking. What you want, what you want to do. Um, wait, that's the wrong one. Yeah, and it does actually affect because I am, in fact, drinking tonight. Tonight I am drinking Pirate Rum, XO Reserve. I believe this was a gift from one Ben Rossini. So uh, wherever you are at this moment listening to this, Mr. Ben Rossini, thanks for the rum, buddy. Love you, pal. Hope you're doing good. Okay, hey, guys, guys, can you quit it? Nobody ever listens to the song this long. They know the chorus and that's it. Can you just shut up? Please? I'll call the fucking cops, okay? Just shut up. Thank you. God. Some bands. No respect. (laughs) We're going to talk a little bit about Stone Cold Steve Austin. We're going to talk about why he's dope. I'm going to tell you about a couple of his, uh, you know, more prominent, more standout moments to the best of my recollection. Uh, We're going to do probably two entry. Well, one for sure entry and one that's kind of on the border, but it's just a cool story, so I want to tell it. Um, but I'm going to call it two entries into the Lost Treasure series. So this is a Stone Cold Treasure episode. That's a pretty good title for it. Stone Cold Treasure. Maybe that's what we'll go with. I'm going to tell you a little bit about what I've been watching this week because I've been watching something great, and if you don't watch it, I think you'll be missing out, so you should watch it, and I'll tell you about it. Um, I realize at this moment I forgot to select a Captain's Film Institute film this week. Hmm, maybe we'll do Point Break because I did watch that, but I don't have any notes or anything in front of me. What else can I do? Oh, we could do Grandma's Boy. 
I'll save that one. That that deserves its own. Accepted is another one deserves its own. Okay. Maybe we'll do a Captain's Film Institute. Maybe we won't. We'll see how I feel. Um, we will talk a little bit about... Well, that's really all I've got prepared. We'll just see what comes up. I have to sneeze. Mute. Wow, that was two powerful sneezes. Good Lord. Mission accomplished is right. Okay, let me get real with you guys for a minute. Let me go ahead and just, uh, I'm going to go ahead and pull back the curtain and show you guys a little bit of behind the scenes of nonsense, the show. It's not really that impressive. It's just me by myself fucking working all day on this because it's fun. Um, Usually, I try and record the show around 6 o'clock on a Tuesday. Now that it's, it's staying light later, I probably will do it later because I like it to be dark when I record because it's just more fun. I can put party lights on. I got music. I got the whole fucking thing going. Um, and so tonight, I got, you know, I got the show ready. I poured myself a drink. Usually, I take a little like Instagram video to put up just to promote it, and it's just me goofing around, having fun. Um, I got a cool fucking studio. I really love my studio. It's like a really nice cozy, warm place. And I I feel like, especially for somebody working in a creative field, it's super, super important that your workspace reflects your personality. It should inspire you. It should draw out pieces of your personality. And so that's why mine is filled with all kinds of crazy shit, all kinds of weird shit, but all of it has some kind of a meaning to me, you know? And some of it is, is just, you know, sometimes the meaning is like, oh, that's dope. But then like, I got a, I got a dude Buddha. It's a Duda you know, the big Lebowski in in sort of a a regal meditative pose with multiple arms, one of which is holding, uh, two of which rather are holding a bowling ball. The other ones are doing like a chakra meditation pose. I don't know if that's the word for it. Forgive me. I got Stone Cold Steve Austin. I got Padre Pio. I got Santa Muerte times two. I got all kinds of cool little trinkets and doodads and treasures and pictures of people I love. My nephew Max and a fucking art smudge he made me. Me and Chauncey Onion groping each other uh, majestically. I got books. I got a fucking gangster chain and a fucking crown and shit. And all of that is here because it inspires me to be more creative. It inspires me to delve into the weirdness that is my brain and try to draw out the best part so that I can put it into my work. And I'm, I'm finding, as I'm doing this more, as I'm getting into the groove, I'm starting to find it easier and easier. I'm finding that I'm having more fun and that's going to allow me to push it a little bit. I'm taking classes. I'm putting more time. You know, there's a lot of fun stuff coming. You guys should be pumped because no big deal. Don't worry about it. Um, so, but then I realized like sometimes you just got to wait. You got to make sure the, the fucking, the vibe is right. You know, you got to make sure you're in the, in the right mindset. At least that's me. Sometimes I have trouble with it. So tonight I was trying to get ready and I just wasn't feeling it. I was flipping through music flipping through music couldn't figure out what i wanted to listen to it was getting real frustrating i was fucking oh shit oh shit what am i gonna do oh man crap 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 and then like i just kind of hit a point like i actually went and like moved some lamps around and like rearranged some furniture and just to kind of get out some nervous energy and then i sat down i was like all right it's fucking go time baby and now we're going and i feel pretty fucking good about it so um that's what I have to say about that. Um, what's been going on lately? My brother came by the other day and that made me fucking happy. I love my brother. I don't think he listens to this, so he's not going to fucking hear this shit. So it's all good. I could talk shit about him and stuff, but uh, my brother's a really busy man. He's got a lot of important shit to do. He doesn't have time for me and my fucking shenanigans, but he's told me a couple times, um, we've talked to like, he kind of gets to live creatively through me, um, because he gives me ideas and he gives me feedback on things and 
Um, he's always pitching stuff to me, and I, I really enjoy it. It's really fun. He's a fun, creative partner. And uh, so he hit me up the other day, and this is something we've talked about for like six months, maybe even longer, of like every now and again getting together and just recording a podcast. Just him and me together, doing a fucking podcast, being dope, whatever. And uh, and and just because of, again, his in, insane schedule, it just hasn't happened. And so finally, it happened. And we sat down and we recorded a half hour of one, just kind of getting the feel of it, getting settled in. And then we recorded a second one where it was us discussing the big trip I'm taking next year, the big plan. And I think I'm going to, I've been debating how to, how to kind of talk about this because I'm really excited about it. But part of me wasn't sure it was going to happen because it requires some commitment and I'm terrified of it. But it's going, I'm doing it. And I, you know, I have a certain amount of money I need to raise. I'm going to be selling the calendar. I'm going to be putting up the Patreon here any minute. I've been really slacking on that because, well, ego issues. Um, and then I'll be selling a lot of my stuff and that'll really help make the bulk of, of the money I need to get going out there. But so we talked about all of that. He asked me a bunch of questions. He picked apart some ideas. He gave me some, some ideas and it's a really cool, cool thing. So I'm going to wait and that's where I'm going to talk about the trip for the first time is with him. And it was really fun just bantering with my brother like that. So we haven't really decided exactly how we're going to release it or when, but stay tuned because the stupid idiots show podcast is going to be coming your way in the very near future. First two episodes are already in the can. So stay tuned for that. Um, all right. I got a cough. So hang on, hang on. Oh shit. Oh boy. Oh God. Listen to this just for a minute while I cough and then drink some rum and then probably cough some more and then just sing along because I like to groove. So this is some music from Superbad. Enjoy. Okay, ladies and gentlemen. Ooh, ooh. Of course, as soon as I unmute the microphone, the rum comes back up in a little burp. Oh, that's really classy. Way to go, me. Okay. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? All right, let me talk to you guys. <clears throat> oh, shit. I got to pull this thing back up. I got to do the damn thing. Hang on. You guys. You guys, I fucking ruined it. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time. It's time. It's time for the part of the show where I tell you all about one of my childhood heroes. A man who influenced my idea of manhood and rebellion at a very early age. It's time for me to tell you about one stone cold Steve Austin. Yes. All right. Thanks for the tunes. Um, All right. So. A long, long time ago in a faraway land called Texas. A man was born who came to be known as the Texas Rattlesnake. Stone Cold Steve Austin. He went by many names prior, one of which was the Ringmaster. This is a man who took his fate into his own hands and one night, after a series of events that would only matter to someone who follows um, the incredibly intricate, weird, and wild 
history, lore, and detail-oriented uh, nature of the pro wrestling world, um, which actually would be fun to get into if anybody who is a novice wants to learn about that. It'd be fun to watch stuff and talk about it together. Maybe I'll find someone we'll discuss. Um, Stone Cold Steve Austin in 1996 won a tournament called the King of the Ring. He wasn't supposed to win, but the guy that was supposed to win did something stupid that actually affected a lot of things and still affects things to this day, and he got shoved out. Stone Cold got his opportunity. He wrestled in the final match of the King of the Ring tournament against a legend, a man you've probably heard of by the name of Jake the Snake Roberts. Jake the Snake Roberts at the time was a born-again Christian, and he was quoting a lot of Bible verses and scripture in his wrestling promos, which, uh, by the way, are one of the finest uh, verbal art forms in the world. I stand by that. <coughs> Didn't mute that cough. Fuck you. Um. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be one of those kind of fucking nights. So just... <laughs> Just settle in because it's going to get weird. Stone Cold wins the tournament. He beats Jake the Snake Roberts. Earlier in the night, Stone Cold had, it after his uh, his semifinals match, he had to go to the hospital real quick to get some stitches. While he was gone, Jake won his semifinals match, and he made a promo talking about John 3.16, which is a Bible verse. Stone Cold Steve Austin <clears throat> came to the microphone, and he cut a career-making promo. This is legendary. He got back from the from from the hospital, did the match, and as he was going up to the ring to do the match, he asked someone, what did Jake say in his promo? And they said, oh, he quoted a bunch of scripture. He talked about John 3.16. And Austin said, cool, I got this. Finished his match, cut his promo, said a bunch of stuff about, first things I want you to do is get that piece of trash out of my ring. And then he got further in. <clears throat> And he said, Jake, you've been walking around here quoting your Psalms and your scripture, talking about John 3.16. Well, Austin 3.16 says, I just whipped your ass. And that's the bottom line, because Stone Cold said so. And those couple sentences changed the pro wrestling world forever. In the next several years, Stone Cold Steve Austin became one of the biggest money-making stars in the entire history of the business. He is a, a, not just a pro wrestling, but a pop culture icon. Um, <laughs> he went on to have um, such memorable instances um, as uh, teaming up with Mike fucking Tyson at WrestleMania 14, which as a kid... So pro wrestling has always been outsiders, carnival, kind of trashy, lowbrow entertainment by stereotype. During the 90s, it hit a peak of popularity that it has never and will never reach again. It's called the Attitude Era, the Monday Night Wars. Stone Cold Steve Austin was one of the the vanguard, the front runners, the ringleaders, the, 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 the top tier talent leading the way on the Attitude Era. Packed crowds every Monday night, sold out uh, 15, 20, 25, 30 more thousand people, waving signs, ranting and raving, cheering and yelling at the top of their lungs. It was an incredible atmosphere. Uh, camera flashes going off all the time. Um, I, I really highly recommend you go look at some Stone Cold Steve Austin highlight reels from 1996 to 1998. 
I guarantee it'll, it'll, I mean, it's just electrifying. It's incredible to hear the way the crowd responds. Every time his music hits right at the beginning, there's a sound of glass breaking. Listen to this. Every time that glass breaks, everybody in the fucking building knows Stone Cold Steve Austin's coming down that aisle, and he's about to walk a Texas mud hole in somebody's ass. He comes down the ring with this this cowboy swagger because his knees are all janky, and he's waving his arms, and he's talking mad shit the whole way, jaw-jacking with those Stone Cold eyes, staring directly into the ring. And you can just see him shaking his head and talking shit and throwing up middle fingers. He's drinking beers. He's throwing people around. He's giving people his finishing move, the Stone Cold Stunner. This is a man that not only had a legendary rivalry against his billionaire boss, the classic working man's fantasy of sticking it to the man. He fucking Stone Cold Stunner kicked in the dick and dropped on his ass um, the future president of the United States, Donald J. Trump. Whatever your judgments about that man are your own. I'm not going to fucking comment on that here because this is neither the time or place. This is stone cold time. (laughs) So let's go back. Let's go back a little ways. 1998. WrestleMania is the Super Bowl of the pro wrestling world. It happens at the end of March, beginning of April every year. Just so happens to coincide with my birthday, um, which is a day that I really don't enjoy most. I just haven't had a good one in so long that I don't really, I can't get excited about it. It's just, I'd never have a good time. You know, it's like a, and anytime I get my hopes up, it goes poorly. So, um, but I remember one of my best birthday parties of all time was WrestleMania 14. I had a bunch of friends over, maybe like, uh, like, I don't know, between eight and 12 of them. And we, we got to order the pay-per-view which was a big freaking deal in my house. We didn't get to do that. That wasn't, a th- I mean, we weren't even able to for the longest time. Um, so we ordered the pay-per-view. I got a bunch of friends over. We got pizza. We got food. Everything's going great. I'm having a freaking ball. And Stone Cold Steve Austin is doing an angle against a guy called Shawn Michaels. Mike Tyson is brought in as the special guest referee. And again, this is like the peak of the pro wrestling world. It didn't get any bigger than this. I will never forget it. Uh, Stone Cold was the good guy. Shawn Michaels was the bad guy with D-Generation X, which was like the rebel faction. They were crotch chopping and telling everybody to suck it. Tyson's on Team DX right up until that main event match. He tears off his his uh, his uh, uh, referee shirt. He's got the DX shirt on, and then he tears out. He's got the Stone Cold Steve Austin shirt. He turns on Shawn Michaels. He punches him in the face. Stone Cold Steve Austin wins. One, two, three. Ding, 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 ding. Stone Cold Steve Austin is the world heavyweight champion. And little, what was that? This is 98. I was 12 years old. Little 12-year-old me. Lost his fucking mind. This was my favorite dude, one of my role models. Like my my fa- This is like you know my Michael Jordan, uh, you know my Mark McGuire, my Derek Jeter, my LeBron James. That was Stone Cold Steve Austin. You know that was my guy. And that's just a memory that seared my head. It was a really happy day because like I had this awesome birthday party. I had all my buddies around. You know my brother was there. He was a wrestling fan. Every Monday night we got to sleep in the living room and watch Monday Night Raw together. Um, like this was like a big, big thing for me. Um, and stone cold was, you know, he was a big source of that happiness cause he was my dude. Um, to this day, when you see me wearing a skull ring, it's, 
it's just a cheap version that I bought. I don't even know how many years ago, but I, I always wanted one, found a cheap one and I bought it. And now I wear it all the fucking time. It's like my good luck charm. And the, the reason I fell in love with that ring style was because Stone Cold Steve Austin wore one. And in 1997, 1998, that was the coolest fucking thing in the world. And to me, it still, it still is. I love that ring. I think it cost me 13 bucks, but I love it to death. And I've been through some shit with it. So that makes it extra valuable, you know? Um, and to this day, again, a big part of it, kind of Stone Cold Steve Austin was a guy that cemented my love of pro wrestling. And, and to this day, I mean, the last great birthday I had was one that I don't think anybody there even knew that I was celebrating my birthday, but that's what I was doing with all of them. I had a WrestleMania party at my house in Midtown Sacramento at the Midtown Mansion. And I had, I don't know, it must have been 15 or 20 people there. People coming in and out all day. We had potlucks. And we used to do this all the time where I'd have whoever wanted to come over, just come over to the house, but just bring some food to share with everybody and we'll watch wrestling and we'll drink and we'll talk shit and we'll just have a good time. And so this day I set up a photo booth with my championship belts. Um, I've still got the pictures of that. Um, I had a uh, I had a chair for anybody that was being a dick that they would have to sit in the yard and watch the show through the window. <laughs> I think I called it the jabroni throne. <laughs> and the whole day I was just thinking to myself, like I, it was the day before my birthday, but we were, and so it was all like everybody just knew it was for WrestleMania. But in my head I was like, this is the best birthday party I've ever had, and nobody knows it. <laughs> <laughs> so to all of you that were at the Midtown Mansion uh, WrestleMania, I think I called it Midtown Mania. Boom, there we go. You know, I got to brand everything. Um, for all of you that were at Midtown Mania, now you know that was that was my birthday, and I had a great time, and thanks for coming to my party. <laughs> so to this day, I love Stone Cold Steve Austin. When you hear me on a podcast, uh, take a pause for the cause and take a sip of whatever for the working man. Um, I directly stole that from Stone Cold Steve Austin's podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so whatever you think about pro wrestling, I don't really give a shit. Um, tonight is, is March the 16th. It's 316 day. So uh, this is a sip of rum for you, Mr. Stone Cold Steve Austin. Hopefully someday I get to shake your hand, uh, maybe even split a fucking share a burger with you, and, uh, you know, just shoot the shit because that would be a damn dream come true. So sip of rum, Stone Cold Steve Austin. Magnificent. All right. What do we got next? What do we got next? What do we got next? By the power of Christ, Well, yes. Yes, yes. I would get excited. <gasps> oh, okay. great Odin's Raven. Okay, you don't have to overdo it. I'm just trying to fucking hype the people up. So everybody get ready because we're about to do a great, a great fucking, a great fucking. Oh, shit, you guys fucked me all up. You goddamn ghosts. Nobody wants to hear the nonsensical ravings of a loudmouth malcontent. Well, maybe you should shut up while I'm trying to do a show. I mean, for fuck's sake, the people want a professional, well, uh, well-managed, well-produced broadcast, and now you guys are making this look like fucking amateur hour. I have a very low tolerance level for stupid bullshit. Okay, but that's my whole life. The whole show is stupid, but it's nonsense, the show. That's the whole fucking point of it. That guy in a little Okay, coach. okay, okay. That guy okay, come on. That's cold. it's not even fair. Like the quarantine thing's been tough. I've been eating for my feelings, and I'm gonna get back to it. I gotta lose some weight before next year, but don't just like. Holy heart failure. Okay, okay. You know, I just. You foolish, stupid man. Get it out of your system. Get you it. get nothing. Okay. You lose. Thank you. Yeah. Good day, sir. Right. 
We've got no food. Okay, no, there's got food. No jobs. Yeah. Our pets' heads are falling off. <sighs> Do you guys have any idea how exhausting it is working with fucking ghosts? It's terrible. It's fucking awful. It's exhausting. All right, ladies and gentlemen, let's get to the first uh, step in our Lost Treasure series tonight. We're half an hour into the fucking show, and I've done nothing. I've just been talking shit the whole time. <laughs> Although, I I realize I say that every show, because every show feels like total nonsense, which I guess is the fucking point. And there was much rejoicing. Yeah. Okay, thanks. <laughs> Let me tell you about a uh, a little piece of treasure called Tucker's Cross. It's gone missing. Um, it could be priceless. We know it's worth at least $2 million. It's an emerald-studded 22-carat gold cross. And now I'm going to tell you all about it. You ready? Okay, me too. Considered the most valuable single object ever recovered from a shipwreck, Tucker's Cross is an emerald-studded 22-carat gold cross. It was rescued by a noted diver and explorer called Teddy Tucker from what is believed to be the wreck of the San Pedro, uh, one of the, the, the members of the Spanish... Uh, of a Spanish... Mm, a galleon that was a member of a Spanish treasure fleet sunk in, in 1594. There we go. That was easy for me to say. Um, in 1975, it was discovered that the cross had been stolen and a replica left in its place. The treasure, worth over $2 million in today's money, remains lost. Born in 1925 and the son of a prominent Virginian architect, Edward Bolton Tucker was raised in Bermuda. Having been asked for, to leave several renowned private schools in the United States, Oh, having been asked to leave. So he's been kicked out of a bunch of fucking fancy schmancy schools. So now he's living in a freaking <laughs> living in paradise. That kid pulled a freaking great scam. Good for him. Flamboyant and good humored. Tucker, Tucker had little time for academia or convention. Sound like anybody else we know? Putting his faith in experience and his own sense of adventure and wonder. It is no surprise he would go on to not only gain a reputation as a maverick, but also irritate maritime archaeological convention amongst those who disagreed with his methods and his lack of formal credentials. Though a keen family interest, uh, through a keen family interest in the oceans, he began working at the Bermuda Aquarium, uh, pumping air for tourists. Tucker started to explore the sea off the island in the 1940s after seeing service in the Royal Navy as an underwater demolitions expert. It was during this period after the war that Tucker is credited as having made a critical contribution to the economy of Bermuda, creating millions of dollars for the island through metal salvage from shipwrecks surrounding the island. This guy's a, a, he's a shipwreck hunter. He's a treasure hunter. This guy's fucking rules. He's awesome. The money generated for the treasury is said to have been more than all other international businesses and tourism combined. This dude was a big shot on the island of Bermuda in the 1940s. Carving out a reputation as one of the world's preeminent divers and explorers, Tucker became widely known throughout films and magazines that featured his work, notably National Geographic. You know, that little ragtag operation. His finds, which covered over 100 shipwrecks off Bermuda, ranged from gold bars and silver coins to swivel guns and hand grenades. Ooh, pardon me, little burp for Mr. Tucker. Uh, his exploits would bring him a Distinguished Service Award from the Underwater Society of America and a member of the Most Excellent Order of the British Empire Medal. This guy had some fucking bling. What up? Yet, 
It was one rainy Sunday in September of 1955 that would yield his most famous, and some might say infamous, discovery. Tucker's Cross. Known as one of the earliest treasure recoveries from the modern age, the story of Tucker's Cross truly begins in 1951, when Tucker, searching for lost fish traps, spotted cannon lying on the ocean floor at some 30 feet. Raising his fines uh, and selling them to the government, Tucker would return to the site after completing other projects, and in 1955, he would make the discovery of a lifetime. While no positive identification has ever been made of the site, it is believed to to be the final resting place of the San Pedro. Um, a bunch of fucking old boring shit that nobody cares about about the San Pedro. It was part of a treasure fleet. It carried gold and jewels and treasure and valuable stuff. Working with Robert Canton, Tucker began to dig in the sand at the location and where he discovered the cannon within, uh, where he discovered the cannon. And within minutes, he uncovered a small piece of gold, turning what he described as a mild interest in treasure hunting into an obsession. Um, very much like gambling, I, I have to assume, and I guess in my own way I've found pieces of this, but you find one piece of treasure in a site that you've located or, or, or something, and automatically you just have to go find more. There's more there. Now you're obsessed with it. All you have to do is go get it. Setting out again the next day and faced with unfavorable diving conditions, Tucker found three quarter-inch uh, quarter gold buttons studded with pearls and 200 silver coins that had become affixed to musket barrels and cannonballs. So now after day two, he knows, he knows he's found some, some shit. This is real, legitimate fucking treasure. Pretty awesome. With the hurricane season approaching, time was of the essence. And on a third and fourth day of diving, the team recovered a gold ingot with, royal Spanish, uh, with a royal Spanish tax stamp clearly visible on the surface, as well as another gold and pearl button. The weather turning against them in a northeasterly wind, sending water crashing across the reefs around the wreck. Tucker and Canton were struck ashore, unable to carry out any further salvage of the site. Eager to press on and continue the already impressive haul of discovery, the team set out again after two days, as soon as the weather cleared. They found a ten and a half inch long, 36-ounce bar of gold and and a smaller piece, finding a second ingot in the sixth day yet they could scarcely have hoped that the best was yet to come. Think about that for a minute. Ten and a half inch long, 36 ounce, 36 ounce bar of gold, as well as the 200 coins and all the other stuff. And he still hasn't found the best of it. Here's a quote. By September 1955, and the weather was getting worse. Then, on the seventh day of diving, a Sunday, I found the greatest single object of all. Eager to work faster, I took a water hose down to the bottom and turned on the jet to blast sand from the area below the brain coral. After carving a deep hole, I turned the jet off. When the debris settled, my eyes fell on a gold cross, lying face down in the sand. I picked it up and turned it over. Awestruck, I counted the large green emeralds on its face. There were seven of them, each as big as a musket ball. From small rings on the arms of the cross hung tiny gold nails representing the nails in Christ's hands, and at the foot was the ring for a third, which had been lost. The ornate carving, while beautiful, was somewhat crude, indicating that Indians had made the cross. It remains my most treasured discovery. That was from the mouth of Teddy Tucker himself. And you can find pictures of this cross, really high-quality pictures, so, um, or at least of a replica, Um, So just Google Tucker's Cross and you'll be able to find it. 
By the time the expedition was concluded, Tucker would add a bronze mortar and other treasures to his hall. But it was the cross that captured the world's attention. Yet, like so much treasure, its history was from the magnificence of its appearance. Considered the most beautiful emerald stones in the world, Colombian emeralds are synonymous with the country's identity and bloody past. From around 500 A.D. and long before the conquest by the conquistadors, the eastern Colombian Andes was inhabited by the native Muzo peoples. Given the nickname the Emerald People, on account of their extraction of the precious gems, they peeled emeralds from their formations using a combination of wood and water. The stones were used in jewelry and had significant cultural and religious significance, including in the famed El Dorado ceremony. Sip a rum for the El Dorado. One legend of the Indians tells a tale of how the Fiora and Tana cliffs of the Rio Minera Valley came to be. It describes how two humans, the female Fiora and the male Tana, were created by the god Are, also known as Ares, to populate the earth and take care of the beauty he had created. In a tale with interesting parallels to the Abrahamic Adam and Eve creation story, Ari commanded that Fura and Tenna must always remain faithful to ensure their eternal youth. Despite many years living in paradise, Fura eventually disobeyed the command, and their youth and immortality were taken from them both. When they died, some say uh, some legends say Tenna killed Fura in his fury and committed suicide. Some say they, that he killed himself alone. The god Ari took pity on them and returned their immortality. They were resurrected to stand eternal as two cliffs. Inside their caves, Fura's tears turned into emeralds. After its recovery, the cross was sent to the British Museum. Its valuation placed, uh, placed its worth in the region of $200,000 at the time. Due to his loyalty to the island, Tucker would sell the cross and other items to the Bermuda government for half the British estimate, hoping that this would guarantee the treasure would remain in Bermuda. The acclaim afforded to him by his discoveries allowed Teddy and the Cross to take center stage for the opening of the new Bermuda Maritime Museum, the opening of which was to be honored by the attendance of Queen Elizabeth II. The Queen, alongside Prince Philip, arrived in Bermuda on February 16, 1975, the visit being the first leg of her Caribbean and Mexican tour that year. Being greeted by the Governor uh, Sir Edwin Leather, Premier Sir Edward Richards, and a warm, welcoming crowd of thousands of Bermudians, that's a fun word, Bermudians. Uh, the Royals visited schools, the National Stadium, blah, 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 and the Bermuda Maritime Museum, which is now called the Bermuda National Museum. However, the event was overshadowed by what is perhaps one of the least known significant heists of the last 50 years. Because, you see, Tucker's cross had been stolen. Dun, dun, dun. I really need to get that sound effect. I'll work on that. (laughs) Excuse me. That rum is bubbling in my tum-tum. What's up, rum? Mm. Mm. Little sip of root. Tastes so good when it hits your lips. That was gross. Sorry about that. Originally on display at the Bermuda Aquarium Museum and Zoo, at, mm, Bermuda Aquarium Museum and Zoo, where Teddy Tucker once worked, the cross was moved to the Maritime Museum, where it was to be the focal point of a major exhibit. Shortly before the opening of the museum, Tucker intended to relocate the cross to a new display case. 
perhaps wishing to better show it off for his royal visitors. He discovered, when moving it, that the cross was in fact missing. A plaster, some say plastic replica, having been substituted in its place sometime in the previous five years. Given the fact that the thief went to the extreme trouble of crafting a reproduction that has deceived possibly for some time, it was assumed that the robbery had been carried out by an experienced international art thief in conjunction with individuals with access to the museum. The Bermudian government, there's that word again, that's my word of the night. I really like the word Bermudian. What's up, Bermudians? The Bermudian government believed the affair was an inside job as the pre- and the presence of the royal party on the island delayed full-scale investigations by the stretched Bermudian police. Despite further inquiries, inquiries by the FBI, Scotland Yard, and Interpol, no evidence was found to suggest any leads, and the cross vanished into thin air. The Smithsonian described the cross as priceless in the aftermath of the robbery. The world of art theft is one that is rarely understood by thieves, and yet one where they frequently go uncaught. The ability to sell a recognized piece of art or treasure, such such as Tucker's cross, on the open market is zero, requiring the thieves to either have a purchaser already in place before the theft or to require the breaking of the stolen material into uh, constituent parts. So either you've got somebody that says, I want that cross, I'll hire you to go steal it, or you break it down into the emerald and the gold and the diamonds and whatever else and sell those separately. Such uh, Such investigators believed it was the case with the famed cross, feeling that the thieves melted the treasure down and sold the gold and emeralds separately on the black market for a fraction of its cultural value. Whether Tucker's cross will ever be found is unknown. Perhaps the ingenuity of the theft might lead us to hope that the treasure was stolen professionally for a private collector and is still to this day behind a glass case in a luxury home somewhere in the world. The alternative is one of a fate that has unfortunately met many works of art and artifacts of value over the years. They have ended up broken down and sold for a relative pittance. From its beginnings as the likely product of slave labor labor in Colombia to a potential end in the hands of thieves and shady gold dealers, the story of Tucker's Cross is only illuminated by the character of Teddy Tucker himself, who, uh, you know, I didn't do a lot of deep dive into him, but what I read about him, he's well worth following up on himself. So if you want to do some research about Tucker's Cross, I highly recommend you look up some pictures at least. That's a quick Google. Won't hurt you at all. Um, Definitely worth your time. And uh, Teddy Tucker is also somebody that I think uh, is is worth looking into because he's a fascinating character. Now, I have a theory. Hang on. Nope. Here we go. I have a theory about what happened to Tucker's Cross. And this is a new addition I'm adding to the Lost Treasure series. When I do a Lost Treasure story from now on, if I have a theory, I'm going to handle it like this. <laughs> Through extensive analysis of the uh, the available evidence and the historical significance of the items, as well as uh, you know a mediocre knowledge of uh, of art thievery from a brief career in law enforcement and extensive media watching uh, movies like Ocean's Eleven, Ocean's Twelve, Ocean's Thirteen, um, also the Thomas Crown Affair and other similar heist movies. Um, <clears throat> I do believe that the fate of Tucker's Cross is an easy one to deduce.
The British Empire has been known for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years as an empire that takes valuable things from uh, its territories, its countries, places it visits, places it dominates, its colonial whatever. Um, anywhere they can, they take treasures, they transport them back to England, they put them on display as English goods. They hide them in their palaces as English treasures. The palaces of the queen, many of them, are filled with treasures looted from faraway lands and cultures. I do believe that the queen's security detail did an advanced scouting of the museum prior to their visit. I do believe that during that advanced scouting, there was an opportunity for a highly trained, highly skilled, highly prepared individual or individuals to swap the cross with a replica. I believe that cross, the real one, was then transported back to England and handed directly to the queen herself. Because as sweet as that old lady looks, she's been in power for a long time. That is a cunning, intelligent, powerful woman. And I do believe that on these tours, she, just as a game, because she's not going to get in fucking legal trouble, so why wouldn't she? I believe she has a game where she tries to steal a valuable piece of cultural uh, artwork or, or jewels or something valuable from every country she visits during state visits. And I do believe that if there are any... Interpol or FBI investigators out there listening. It would be worth your time to try to connect <clears throat> high-profile art thefts with official visits from the Queen and Prince Philip for the last 70 years or however long um, that old lady's been in power. Just saying, think about it. That's all I got to say about that. All right, guys, here's the deal. <clears throat> Um, as I said earlier, this show was just one that, that just, I never felt totally comfortable with it as I was getting ready. It was just one where every once in a while you have one where you kind of fight it and that's okay. There's nothing wrong with it. It's just part of it. We're 45 minutes in. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to try to find a song that makes me happy. We're going to listen to this for a second. Then I'm going to tell you about something I've been watching. Then we're going to close the show out. Okay? Okay. Hey, Tom Jones, take it away. It's not unusual to be loved by anyone. It's not unusual to have fun with anyone. If you're not doing the Carlton, I don't know what's wrong with you. I see you hanging about with anyone. Put some enthusiasm in. It's not unusual. Make your hips work. See me cry. I want to die. Use your walk to go out with any time. But when I see you out and about, it's such a crime. If you should ever want to be loved by anyone, it's not unusual. It happens every day. Thank you, Tom. I appreciate you chiming in tonight. Thank you for letting us use your tune. Um, as always, you just make me happy. <laughs> Shout out to fucking Tom Jones, because why wouldn't we shout out to Tom Jones? Um, all right. Hang on, guys. I'm just, you know, I'm just, I'm just having a fucking night. All right. Here's what we're going to do. Every week, I tell you guys what I've been watching. I'm a man who doesn't sleep too much, and there's only so much time you can devote to creative efforts in a day before your brain shuts down. So when I'm not doing that, when I'm not doing my walks, whatever, um, I spend some time watching TV and movies. I enjoy that. I watch a lot of YouTube. I take a lot of classes. 
Um, you know, I got some skills I'm trying to develop. I got some things I'm trying to do. Um, but one of the things I've been watching a lot of this week, and this is something I like to share with you, um, is a, is a show. Uh, originally, I found it through my brother, Shouts Kev, um, on YouTube, and now and then it moved over to Vice TV. I've been watching it on the Hulu. It's called Fuck That's Delicious. Features a guy called Action Bronson, who is a rapper and a chef. Features his uh, his buddies, his uh, producer, uh, a guy called The Alchemist. He's got a fellow rapper uh, called Mayhem Loren, who is probably my favorite out of the group, to be honest with you. And he's got another guy by the name of Big Body Bess. And then there's a whole cast of characters that come through. They travel around the world while he's on tour. They go to restaurants. They go into kitchens. They try all kinds of food. They do all kinds of things. They smoke a bunch of weed. They listen to good music. They do weird shit. And uh, it's just a really nice, neat take on on the food on the food show genre. Um, it's really comforting. It's really enjoyable. The foods the food looks incredible. They check out cool restaurants. Um, Action Bronson himself seems like kind of a rad dude. Um, it's just neat. It, it, you know they're they're neat characters. It's neat fucking cultural shit. Um, it's got good food. It's got good music. You should check it out. So on Hulu on Vice TV. Uh, I don't think you can get it on YouTube anymore, but wherever you can find it, I highly recommend this week. You check out a television show called Fuck. That's delicious. Four seasons are out there. I hope they do more. I don't know if they're going to. But uh, if they do, you can bet your ass, my fucking happy self will be tuning in. Oh, shit, girls. The Pussycat Dolls up in the house. Captain Nick, ready to get a little sexual. Gonna dance, gonna move my hips, gonna run my hands down my body. Hope you guys are ready. Just feel it for a minute. Oh, it's nice. You like to dance. I got my club lights on. I feel like I'm 22. I'm in a club that I'm too poor to be at. Hanging out with girls that I'm too ugly to be talking to. That's why Dancing awkwardly and buying two expensive drinks that'll water the fuck down. Uh. Yes. Just trying to be cool, y'all. That's all. I just want the ladies to think I'm suave. So they'll let me dance up on them. Uh. Why? Because. Don't you wish your girlfriend was hot like me? Don't you wish your girlfriend was a freak like me? Don't you? Uh, thank you, Pussycat Dolls, for taking me back in time a little bit. <laughs> you know, I'm going to make a note right now on my, uh, hang on, Pussycat Dolls. Just, I'm taking a note. Listen to that. Hang on. Okay, I got a great idea, <clears throat> and I want your thoughts on this. So I want you to write me an email, beardandbones at gmail.com, B-E-A-R-D, the letter N, B-O-N-E-S. It's in the description, so you can find it. Just click on it. It'll take you right to it, um, at gmail.com, or on the Instagram, at beardandbones, B-E-A-R-D, the letter N, B-O-N-E-S, right? It's not hard. Easy peasy. 
I want you to give me your thoughts on this episode of the show. I want you to give me your thoughts on uh, themes or ideas you want me to tackle in future shows. And what I really, 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 really want. What I really, 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 really want. Come on. This is supposed to work. Why isn't this working? Okay, hang on. Let me get my magic what? Let me get my magic on. Here we go. What I really, 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 really want. (laughs) It finally worked. See? Sometimes you just gotta persevere in the magical hit. Here's what I really want. What? No, here's what I really want. No, listen. Yeah, that's true. Wait, I thought people didn't like it when it's fast. I thought you wanted to take its time. Oh, you're in a hurry. Oh, okay. Well, you know, I'll work on that. Oh, sir. Oh, I fucking love this song. <laughs> I remember when this song came out. I was in middle school. It was the late 90s. This is Stone Cold Steve Austin. See? Ties right in. I distinctly remember um, a lot of girls who, like, they got into fucking Spice Girls. Like, the girl power thing was really a message that was resonating. And I remember there were several different groups of girls, you know, just friends, just little, you know, friend cliques who were so into the Spice Girls that they would like battle each other about which Spice Girl they were in their Spice Girls group. I'm fucking sporty. No, I'm posh. No, I'm posh. You're baby. No, you're ginger spice. I don't know. But like, I distinctly remember there was like at least two or three different groups that were diehard Spice Girls fans. And I was never diehard, but it's hard not to admit the shit's catchy. Right? Makes you want to wiggle. Uh. You'll see. Okay. Okay. Thank you, Spice Girls. Thank you. I want you guys to write to me, and I want you to tell me what you think of this show. I want you to give me ideas for future shows. Give me a theme. I'll work with it. Give me a question. Give me, and I'll give you an answer. Give me a story idea, and I'll give you a picture of my chest. Shirt on, shirt off. Your choice. I'll even let you pick the shirt. How do you feel about that? (laughs) Um, In a future show, uh, very soon, I'm going to do a Las Vegas special. We're going to talk about Elvis Presley uh, in Las Vegas. We're going to talk about The Hangover. We're going to talk about my Las Vegas experiences. Um, Listen, I'm no Las Vegas baller. But my ex- my experiences in Vegas have been fun. I've had a couple of really great experiences. In fact, I was just reminded of one recently. And I know, well, I, I can't imagine there's any chance she's going to listen to this. But um, one of my ex-girlfriends reminded me about a time we spent in Vegas, which in hindsight was one of my favorite Vegas trips. So thank you for that reminder. That's a fucking happy memory. I'll tell you guys a little bit about that story, at least the publicly available version. <laughs> details of it i'll tell you about the time i uh, almost well probably got myself blacklisted from win properties for life and uh, a whole bunch more uh 
So, in an upcoming episode of Nonsense the Show, it'll be the Vegas episode. Get ready for that. And uh, really, I mean, guys, that's the show. We only did one lost treasure, which is fine because that means I've got next week's done. Um, <clears throat> that's I mean, that's really what. What else do you need, right? That's everything. How do you guys feel about it? Do you guys feel okay? Because I feel pretty good about it. I'd say that was a pretty successful broadcast. Thank you. I agree. I I feel really really solid about that. You know, like I had an awesome time. Oh, Frank. Thanks. I'm glad Frank Frank had an awesome time. Um, so yeah, the show's over. over. You say over? What? Yeah. Nothing is over until we decide it is. No. Was it over when the Germans? No, it's over now. Yeah. What? Hell no. What? German? Forget it. He's rolling. And it ain't over now. Oh God. No, it's over now. It's over now. This is it. We're done. I'm gonna end the show. I might pick one more song to play after the credits, but we got to get to the credits. But we're just gonna. This is it. It's the ending. Is this a happy ending or a sad ending? No, it's just it's an ending. ending. That's enough. That's, it's just an ending. It's fine. We're good. Okay? Okay, let's put an end to this pathetic hoedown. Yeah, I'm fucking trying. Okay, can you just let me finish it? Can you let me just, let me get to the grand finale, okay? And now, the grand finale. Oh, God. Okay. They can't just let me do it. They can't just let me fucking have my thing. They gotta, they gotta get in here and fuck around. It's like, I'm gonna sit here and try to do the thing, and then they're gonna fucking interrupt me again, and I, I don't even want to, like, start now. Because I just know that as soon as I start talking about what I'm trying to do, as soon as I start trying to do my finish, they're going to chime in and they're going to do something fucking stupid and it's going to be embarrassing it's going to be silly. And it's going to distract me and then I'm going to get thrown off and then you guys are going to think I'm unprofessional and now I'm just going to pout for a minute. So, okay, I'm over it. <coughs> Here we go. You ready? you ready to close the show out? You ready for the finish? You ready for the grand finale? Okay. So what I think we need to do is... Uh, Fuck this shit, I'm out. Oh my out. God, come on. Fuck this shit, I'm out. No thanks. Don't mind me. I'ma just grab my stuff and leave. Excuse me, please. Just Fuck enjoy this it, shit, I guess. I'm out. I, no. Come on. Fuck this shit, I'm out. All right then. I don't know what the fuck just happened, but I don't really care. I'ma get the fuck up out of here. Fuck this shit, I'm out. <sighs> there it is, ladies and gentlemen. I mean... It's nonsense to show. What do you fucking expect? I hope you enjoyed it. Please tell me if you did. I need reinforcement. My ego is fragile. This is hard. It's kind of lonely. Just tell me you like it. Make me feel good. Also, tell your friends. And send me money if you want. Give me my Venmo. Love you guys. Nonsense to show. I better pick a song to play after the fucking credits because they're about to happen. And Oh, shit. Oh, God, you guys. Oh, no. Bad things are about to happen. And so now, you know what we're going to do? We're just going to... Yeah, we're going to do Gangnam Style. Gangnam Style? Either way, opa. I'm going to play this with my speakers, and you guys are going to listen to it, and I'm going to do the dance. And that's how we're ending this show, so... Thanks for coming. See you next week.
오빤 강남스타 still here you still listening to this all right well fucking rock it out you better be singing or dancing or something i want to hear it you listening this far hey hit me with it go open gangnam style yeah gangnam style oh open gangnam style yeah You know I've been dancing the whole fucking time. I'm singing, I'm glad. I got my crown on. I got my gangster chain. Oh, oh. Opa Gangnam Style. Sexy lady. I don't know who's listening this far. Especially when I'm only playing Gangnam Style. I debated just stopping it, but I feel like I'm like we're this far. I should just like commit, let it go. There it is, you guys. Whoa, 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 Outcast, relax. We just did one. You guys come back next time. All right, y'all, I'm going to go finish this show and get it posted. Then I'm going to eat some dinner. I hope you all had a good night. Hope you enjoyed the show. Love you lots. Thank you. Bye.